Hey-ho! And welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. Podcasts where college students and faculty come together to talk about mental health, wellness, mentorship, and entrepreneurship. Together we set and achieve goals to get ourselves where we want to be. I'm your host, Derek Malinzak, and this is episode 82 of the podcast. And I am really happy to be here today, recording a little bit earlier in the week because I am gutting away for a long weekend with my wife to Las Vegas this upcoming weekend, do a little uh, Halloween weekend partying. Uh, It's sort of a uh, belated anniversary present for us to us. Um, So we're super psyched. And as such, um, I have an interview for you today, uh, which I'm really excited to bring uh, to you. But I do not have, uh, won't be talking too much else uh, other than that. I did want to check in real quick on one thing uh, before I get to the interview. Uh, Super excited about today's interview. It really combines a lot of things that we talk about a lot here on the College Student Success Podcast. Uh, We talk about, um, you know, we definitely feature college students in recovery. uh, And so we have that today. uh, And we have somebody that I know um, and has really worked, you know, a lot of the principles of the, uh, the College Student Success Podcast to get herself where she wants to be, uh, taking advantage of opportunities offered in college, using her networking skills, um, taking advantage of, you know, everything that the campus has to offer. So really excited to bring that to you in a couple minutes. But first, just really wanted to um, bring up something I started talking about last week and discuss goal achievement for a minute. So last week I brought up uh, that I was not getting a lot of feedback related to what I consider to be sort of the most important aspect of the podcast in terms of how I conceived it and and sort of how I value it. But how I value it is very different than than probably how you guys do. Uh, Some probably value it you know, a little bit, uh, and some value it very little. (laughs) Um, but the goal setting part, you know, the, the whole aspect of setting a goal in the beginning of the semester, getting practical strategies that you learn throughout the semester, applying them towards your goal, chipping away at it a little bit each week. I, I'm skeptical at this point that many students are using the podcast as I had intended. And that's fine. Um, But I just, I guess I'd like to know that so that I don't put so much effort into the whole um, home exercise goal achievement thing that I do uh, and really just focus on bringing, you know, high quality episodes that are, you know, both entertaining and educational, which I would imagine is what the reason people tune in if they're not using the, using the podcast for the whole goal setting, goal achievement Thing. I think I might do an episode later in the semester on on my thoughts on what I consider or what I deem you know illness self management and that's what this is really an attempt at. Um, but if you guys have any feedback either way, I would love to hear it either on Twitter, Facebook, send me an email, you know, podcast. Uh, you know, if you go to the actual website, collegestudentsuccesspodcast.com, you can comment on the on the actual the post where you see the episode released 
uh, any way you want to get in contact with me. I just kind of looking for confirmation either way that people are using it or they're really not. And they're just entertained by what we got going on here. So one update I wanted to give you on goal achievement is really the goal that I set for myself last semester. So if anyone was around listening last semester, I had set a goal of, um, my goal for that semester was to improve my my wellness, specifically my physical wellness, and really that my social wellness as well when it came to being more physically active. Um, I kind of got bored with the working out types of things that I used to do. I found them sort of isolating, and uh, as such, it really... Uh, it, it, it hurt and negatively impacted my motivation. I didn't want to exercise anymore. So I went about in the in the spring trying to find some kind of new activities that I could do with other people that would, you know, kind of keep me motivated, you know, help with accountability, be fun, do something new. So that's why I got into, I tried doing racquetball and that's what led to me being injured and, um, which is kind of funny in, in, in hindsight. And, um, it, Man, that injury really did take a lot out of me this year. Um, I was out of work for a while, and then I was um, in occupational therapy, and then I re-injured myself at the end of the semester. I think I had probably stopped recording at that time, so people may not even be aware. I was doing yard work and injured myself again um, and went back to OT because it just wasn't getting better, and it really took up most of my summer. And finished OT right at the beginning of this semester, and I was really feeling like, oh, I, I still wasn't 100%. And so um, one of the things that led me back into OT is I, I kept working on this goal. I started feeling better, and I, I tried something else out. Uh, um, over the summer, I tried out a CrossFit um, training or what do they call it, workout. They had a CrossFit gym in my town, and, and I don't even know why I, I was interested in it, but I was like, let me check out CrossFit. So I, I took a free class one day, and it was um, very rigorous. And that class made me realize that I still wasn't right with my wrists and my the pain that I had sustained from that racquetball injury. So that's actually, even though it did not end up really leading anywhere, and I, I decided that CrossFit wasn't for me after that, but it did show me that I, I wasn't even if I had found something I loved, I wouldn't have been able to really partake because I wasn't ready yet. So I went back to OT, went back to the doctor. You know, they sort of declared me, you know, as well as I can be. But thank God, um, since leaving OT in the last month, um, I've taken a big step forward. I really felt a lot better with my um, my injuries, and they, they are fading fast, I hope. So... Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago I took up yoga. I went to a, a class with a friend, and um, I enjoyed it. I remember doing it that first day and thinking, I'm going to be doing this again. So I went to a yoga studio by my house, and I signed up for a month. And I've been going twice a week, and I really kind of think that this might be that that um, physical thing I was looking for that has that communal or social element. And I just kind of wanted to update you guys because, you know, I set that goal in January. Uh, I would hope to achieve it by May, and then I didn't. And I, I worked on it again over the summer and then put it away for a while and then picked it back up again here in, in October, you know, end of September. And, and I finally found something. And it just I just wanted to let you guys know that, you know, even if you don't get your goal achieved, 
whether it be something you said on this podcast or even just something you want to do in life, um, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen for you. Put it away for a while, you know, focus on something else. And then when you're, you know, in the mood to do something else, dust that off and, and see if you might try to tackle it in some other way. So just want to let you guys aware, be aware of that. I, I think I'm definitely really into this yoga thing, interested in finding a mentor because I think that that's just the best way to learn something in like this when you when you really are starting at the beginning and it really kind of falls through what we talk about here. So um, hopefully people got something out of that. But uh, let's get into the podcast interview. So um, so I had this student, as I'll talk about uh, in several of my classes, really happy to have her on the show. Uh, Brianna, welcome to the College Student Success Podcast. All right. I am here today uh, with Brianna, and I want to welcome you to the show, Brianna. Thanks for coming on the College Student Success Podcast. Thanks, Derek. Thank you for having me. No problem. So why don't we start off? We're going to be talking about uh, research opportunities for college students today, and we'll get into some recovery talk. I'm really excited to have this discussion, but why don't we start off, maybe give the audience a little bit of info about you. Um, you know, some basics, how old you are, where you're at in the college process, what are you doing now kind of stuff. Okay, sure. So I just turned 23 in August. Um, I started my first semester at graduate school, which, uh, as we discussed before, is one of my most challenging things so far in life, much more challenging than I expected. Um, but I'm adjusting, and I think it's going to be a good experience, so uh, I'm going for social work. And uh, that's about it right now. Not too much else going on. Okay, great. So one of the things that I, I really kind of reached out to you about, uh, and we'll talk about first, is, is research opportunities for college students. So I, I try and preach on the podcast a lot about like networking with faculty and, and taking opportunities outside the classroom. And, and that's something that, that you were fortunate enough to get into. So maybe if you want to just talk about what got you interested in research in the, in the first place, and then we'll talk about what the experience was like. Okay, sure. So one of my requirements for undergraduate was uh, a class that kind of made me design my own research project. Uh, so I did that at Kane, and it was really challenging. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was hard coming up with something that I wanted to look into. I had a professor who um, unfortunately kind of just threw us to the wolves and was like, if you don't understand something, go on YouTube, as far as the math end of the research stuff goes. Uh, so it was a challenge, but I decided to do my research project on well-being and motivation, because those are two things that really interest me. So um, I, I compared students who were in a four-year college versus students who were in a community college. And uh, I wanted to see if their motivation was uh, affected by their well-being. And uh, I thought for some reason <laughs> that students in four-year schools uh, would be more motivated. I don't know why. I just thought so. And it uh, turns out I was wrong. And the students in the two-year school were more motivated at like a community college. It was Middlesex Community College, actually. Mm -hmm. That's where I got my participants from. 
and uh, it was it was really interesting. It seemed like maybe because it was their first year, they really wanted to be there. They were really motivated to be there and excited. And you know, as me coming in as a in my last year doing a big research project, they thought that was cool. So they were really involved. And then I think the students I kind of surveyed from the four year school were like kind of done in their last year. Like they didn't. You would think because they were so close to graduation, they would be. Uh, like, yeah, I'm almost there, but it was actually the opposite. They're like, no, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so I was wrong in that end. But I did get a, a correlation between well-being and motivation. And it seemed like the more motivated somebody was, the better their well-being was and vice versa, which was hard to measure because, you know, how do you measure well-being? Mm-hmm. So that, you, you know, I, which measured, you know, different dimensions of wellness. So that's where it all started, really. I, I did all that, and it was kind of cool, and it it was nice to like be able to present that information that I researched, and you know something I was so interested in. And then I went into my next semester, and uh, the director of the program at Rutgers for psychiatric rehabilitation, um, you know, Dr. Weiner, was talking to me about my research project and said, "Hey, you know what?" this is really awesome. You did a really good job. You should uh, take the research course here. And I said, no way, Jose, I'm not taking the research course here. And we talked probably for about a good hour after class one night and uh, he convinced me. Um, I just was uh, kind of hesitant because I wasn't good at the whole process. Like uh, I was good at the writing and the reading and the, the comprehension, but I, I, I struggled with the math because that's just not my thing. Um, but he convinced me that I didn't need to worry about all that. And so I decided to go for it and do it. And I'm really happy I did. Cool. So starting even earlier than that, like how, what, what was it about research? You know, what was it that made you in the beginning decide, like, I want to do, I want to make sure that it's a requirement of my program that I have some kind of research element embedded in it? Well... That's a tough question for me to answer. I I don't think I've ever really thought about that. I think uh, I just kind of, I had a more negative view at it at first. Like I was dreading the class. I didn't want to do the research project. I thought it was going to be horrible. And I think just kind of being forced to do it really changed my mind because I thought, I think there's just a lot of negativity surrounding research just among students. Like they think it's going to be so hard and, they don't want to do it because it's just challenging. But maybe some of it is challenging. But you would, I think, be surprised uh, at how good you could be at some of the things that you do within research. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. You know, to kind of have a view of it as like something that you're a little. I mean, it seems like a, a fearful of, and I understand that too. I've, I've heard that from students. Um, but then to take that fear and to be like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of challenge myself and to get over it and, and purposely select a program that challenged you in that way is is interesting to me because I agree, like students generally do have a sort of negative opinion, uh, at least in the social sciences. Maybe it's different in um, the more uh, physical sciences. What do you think it is about research that makes the students, at least that we know, fearful and sort of turned off initially? Well, I think, uh, like you mentioned, working with 
faculty is the biggest thing that makes students fearful because it is really personalized and one-on-one. So if you're not really comfortable with the faculty member, it's going to be difficult. And I think there's just a lot of intimidation. So the student goes in thinking that they're perspective or their opinion is not going to weigh as heavy as the person they're working with. And I found that to not be true because what I had to say was important. And I think a lot of students just think that like what, you know, they're just going to be like under a microscope and every little thing they do is going to be judged and criticized. And I think that's why people are fearful of it, not just for the challenge aspect, but that one-on-one piece of working with a faculty member could be scary to some people. Yeah. I think that's helpful for faculty because we have probably a good bit of faculty listening as well to the podcast. And it might help them in terms of like if there's any out there that are interested in sort of recruiting students for research that have encountered this resistance um, to to kind of take that into account. Um, One recommendation I I might have is is sort of making it – structured like outlining exactly what the requirements of the student would be to make it a little bit more approachable and not so uh like unsure about what they're doing and and fearful of the unknown um but uh so then why don't we explain it a little bit at least from your end uh what the experience was like at Rutgers so how did they kind of ensure one of the things that you talked about uh kind of working with a professor that kind of shared your interests So when I decided I was going to sign up for the course, uh, I was able to actually get a list of faculty members who were looking for a student to work with them. And I was able to read about what they were researching and kind of see if I was interested in any of those topics and then kind of reach out to the department and say, hey, I like this faculty member's, you know, project and here's why and this is how I want to contribute. And that's how they kind of place students Not that there were too many of us. Uh, I believe there's only two of us, actually, Um, But at that time. But it did give me an opportunity to choose. So instead of just saying, okay, here, you're working with this person, um, I was able to choose somebody who I kind of already had a relationship with and felt comfortable with. And then I also was interested in the topic. So obviously that's going to help. If you have to read a bunch of research articles on something you absolutely hate, nobody's going to want to do that. so that the freedom to kind of choose who you're working with and what you're working on, I think that that was something helpful. Yep. And spoiler alert, Brianna chose me, <laughs> me and a colleague, uh, Brittany, who were working on a project related to disability services uh, on college campuses. So what about that topic drew your interest and, and kind of made you select us? Well, it was a tough decision because I really liked all the topics, honestly. Um, as someone who has a diagnosis uh, and who's never used disability services, it kind of interested me because I kind of wanted to learn, like, what do they even, you know, what what do they already offer uh, that I may have been able to take advantage of that I haven't or that I could in the future or, you know, and our whole thing was how can we improve their services? So I thought it would be kind of cool uh, to be involved with that as somebody with a little insight on what it's like to be the student uh, with the diagnosis. So I thought that was cool. You know, that kind of what, that's kind of what won me over. Some of the other ones were really cool, like super cool. I probably would have chosen them, but this one was just really personal to me and I, and that's why I chose it. Yeah. And I think that that is, that really helped, you know, spur things on, um, 
on our end, on the faculty end, we were, you know, we had specifically talked beforehand and we're looking to specifically recruit somebody to work with us that, you know, had some personal experience. It didn't have to be the, the, their own lived experience. It could have been, you know, they worked with a friend or, you know, significant other or family member, but, you know, it definitely was optimal that, that you, you were comfortable enough to disclose that and, and, um, you know, help us out there. Um, I encourage though, like students may not always have sort of a easy, easy into research, you know, like, um, we had this course and it was sort of with the, the mindfulness that students might be apprehensive that it was, uh, I guess they were tried to be inviting. Um, if you hadn't taken this route, you know, if you hadn't taken like had hadn't been presented with courses, I mean, with descriptions of a faculty, um, do you have any ideas of what you may have done to just kind of seek out faculty to like, did you have any other plans other than, you know, taking this course to get involved with research? Well, honestly, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> because like I said, I was definitely intimidated by yeah. it uh, until Dr. Wayner kind of convinced me. Uh, yes. And no, though, because I do intend on, you know, pursuing a doctoral degree, whatever that's going to be in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't quite decided that yet. Um, but I know that's going to involve research. And so I know that there was always a part of me that was interested in it, but was always so intimidated by this learning statistics and doing all this crap that, you know, it even kind of started putting limitations on my thoughts for the future. Like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do that because I can't survive a math class. So how am I going to do that when I'm so good at all these other areas? It's so silly to put myself down for one little piece that I could work on. So I think it might have just taken a little while for me to kind of see that within myself and be like, okay, you know what? You are capable of doing that and coming around to it. Eventually, at some point, I would have. Um, For undergrad, maybe not, but now that I'm in graduate school, uh, they do kind of give a lot of research opportunities to us also at at the graduate level. It's the same same deal. They give descriptions of faculty who are working on things, and you can, in this this, uh, particular, it's not for credits, it's not a class. Uh, You get paid for it. I think it's called apprenticeship or something like that. Um, I'm not quite sure, but... Maybe when I saw this opportunity at gra- the graduate level, they also pay you. So there's like some incentive. Yeah. I think it's like $15 an hour. Uh, so, you know, there's incentive there. I'm sure maybe when I saw that, that's when I would have said, okay, you know what? Maybe I should give this a go. Yeah. Um, but it would have been with a faculty member that I probably did not know. <laughs> and it would have been probably way more uncomfortable not already having some experience. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's thank you for bringing that up. So yeah, there's going to be other opportunities if they're not for credit, like Brianna and I are talking about. Check out your university for you know paid positions. Uh, we have some you know on our staff in in our department, uh, as well as unpaid. You know, and that might be like, oh, you know, um, great. I'm going to be a slave for a faculty member. Um, well, you're getting something in return, um, and that is like exactly what you said, apprenticeship. You know, if it's a faculty member that's invested in somebody learning and recognizes that this student is, you know, giving them some of their free time to do whatever, um, the faculty member is probably going to um, respond with, you know, some of the the mentorship apprenticeship type of things that are you know got them you know or what the reason they sought out the the research experience in the first place 
Um, so let's talk about what you actually did because you said there was, you know, this fear of, you know, statistics and math, you know, did you sit there inputting statistics into SPSS all day? Uh, what kinds of stuff did you actually do in your experience? No, I did not because you didn't do that to me. Very, very thankful for that. Um, well, <laughs> with our particular, uh, experience here we were so early on in the research that there was no room for inputting statistics anyway because we hadn't gotten that far that's right uh, however i do not believe you would have forced me to do that anyway if, even if we were that far or maybe you would have challenged me to do some or or expose me to it i don't really know because you did like the challenge students mm -hmm. so you know who knows um but that was another thing when i was choosing who I would work with, it did state what I would be doing. I forgot to mention that. So, for example, Dr. Weiner had his uh, research project up there, and it said, you know, inputting stuff into the computer and doing statistics. And so that was immediately, even if I loved the topic, there was no way that was happening because mm -hmm. that's not what I was good at. Um, but what I did do, I, I didn't have the opportunity to write a literature review, which I was kind of bummed about because that was one of the things we had talked about uh, because – you had found one that was already appropriate, which was fine. Um, but I did get to read a bunch of articles and summarize them for you, which was, you know, I really didn't mind doing that because I really do like to read. And uh, I, I think I have pretty good summarization skills. So I didn't find that like super difficult. I was able to do it and enjoy what I was reading and kind of learn new things. Um, another thing that we did, what did we do? Oh, we worked on the grant proposal together. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was kind of interesting because I was able to see how you you kind of the process you have to go through to apply for a grant. And uh, the one we applied for was actually shorter than most of them. So I see that that's a very challenging and long, lengthy process. Uh, so yeah. I do know about that <laughs> now. And uh, what else? Oh, yeah, we uh, I got the opportunity to present at Rutgers Research Day. So we made a poster together. That was pretty cool. I still have the poster in my closet. Can't throw that away. Nice. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so um, I think it was pretty cool presenting at Research Day because although I was definitely intimidated, especially because, of course, you and Brittany both uh, had prior obligations at the time and I <laughs> represented us all by myself. Um, I was intimidated, but, um, I, I think it was a good experience. One, because, you know, the two faculty members that came to judge my poster, the one I feel like I did a really great job with, and of course she didn't tell me until afterwards, but she actually works for disability services at Rutgers. Oh. So, yeah. So that she, she, she was impressed with what I knew and, and you know, I'm glad she didn't tell me beforehand because that would have made me even more nervous. Uh. So that was kind of interesting. And then the other faculty member didn't tell me he was judging my poster, but I found out later that he was. And he definitely tried to challenge me. He was one of, um, I don't know, he was somebody really important within the psych rehab realm. And I can't remember his name at the moment. Mm -hmm. I just know he was an author of one of my textbooks. So if I would have known that at the time, that would have been extremely intimidating. So I'm glad I did not know. Um, he did challenge me, asking me if our study was similar to other studies, and I, I didn't know. Uh, he was talking about stuff that I hadn't read and I didn't know about, and so he really challenged me. And so I kind of had to just be like, you know what, I, I don't know. I haven't read that, and I'm not familiar with it. So I think it, it was kind of good that I did that instead of pretending like I knew everything. But um, 
you know, <laughs> experience was good, you know? Yeah, I think that's a good range of activities. So yeah, to kind of summarize, we were early in the process. Uh, we didn't have a study already drawn out. Um, and so when Brianna came in, we did a lot of brainstorming about, you know, um, a, a design of a study, and then we wrote a grant. And so, yeah, the grant experience, I think, will be helpful moving forward because it's a very similar process writing a grant, you know, whether it's a small grant or a large grant, it just, you know, takes more time and more requirements. But the, the, the process is the same. I think that was probably helpful if you do have an interest in uh, applying for grants and funding in the future. And then the research poster, I'm glad you brought up because that's another thing that you probably won't be the only research poster if you are considering a career in um, you know, getting a PhD. So, you know, to get your feet wet and do it in an environment where you felt, you know, supported and stuff, I think was a good experience as well. Um, so now with those experiences in mind, um, how do you think you can leverage those things to help you with the next goals that you have coming up with your, uh, schooling and your, your career eventually? Well, as I mentioned before, I, uh, I definitely think at some point I'm going to pursue a doctorate, uh, whatever that may be. Rutgers School of Social Work has an opportunity where I can apply for their doctorate program um, as a first-year master's student. And if they only take two people, uh, but if they if they were to choose me for this, you start your uh, doctorate in your second year of your master's program. Uh, they pay for your entire doctorate for you. And uh, what they look for is somebody who can show that they're interested in research and that they have committed to doing some sort of project in research or worked on it somehow, some way, uh, and you continue to show interest. So, you know, I'm working on maybe working with a fa another faculty member in the School of Social Work right now. Um, but... On my resume, I'll have the, the research I did with you and, you know, I can put on there that I presented at research day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I feel like those things are definitely going to help me because they really want to see that you're invested in research because they're not going to pay for your doctorate for you if you're not. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really, you know, lofty goal, and it really ties in well with the experiences that we've been talking about today. You know, the student that just goes through the motions, takes the classes that are required, even gets A's in them, is still probably not going to be the person that gets selected for that kind of uh, amazing opportunity. They're going to need the extras, the, you know, the research experience, the publications, you know, perhaps on their resume, um, you know, and, and a, a poster can can account as a, a, a presentation, uh, which is not a peer reviewed uh, publication, but still something that you can use to kind of pad the resume. Uh, so and, and prepare for an opportunity like that. That's awesome. I uh, good luck. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So now turning to kind of your you as a student uh, and a student in recovery, uh, what were some of the obstacles related to life in college and surviving uh, your bachelor's that you had to overcome that you, you'd feel comfortable talking about? All right. Well, this is a tricky question because there's a million ways I could answer it. But the biggest thing uh, the, and the simplest answer is symptoms, really. Um, I uh, am diagnosed with depression and panic disorder. So... If I'm not doing well, 
uh, getting up in the morning alone just to get dressed is very difficult. Um, so never mind going to class or going to, a, you know, a practicum, which I had to do in my last year of undergrad and am still doing now in my graduate level or going to work for that matter. So just simply getting out of bed in the morning was one of my biggest challenges, um, which I know it sounds ridiculous, but if I could just get up and put my clothes on and brush my teeth, the rest of my day kind of fell into place. Yeah. So it was it was just like, get up out of bed, put your clothes on and brush your teeth. Like if I could do that, I, I'm, you know, I was like gold for the day. And to a lot of people that's like, what? And I'm like, no, really. <laughs> if I got out of bed and put my clothes on, I'm doing good today. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really something that a lot of people find interesting. But I, I feel like, it's been beneficial to have depression and anxiety, and it's very weird, but I feel like the anxiety helps me move through my depression because my depression will be saying when I wake up in the morning, you know what? No, I don't want you to get out of my uh, out of bed, right? And the anxiety is in the other side of my head saying, oh my God, if you don't get up, you're going to miss class and you're not going to get your assignment done, and then it starts going and going and going, <laughs> and that's usually what pushes me up out of bed. And so I feel like if I didn't have that other diagnosis, you know, I would probably really struggle with the depression. So although anxiety can kind of drain me and make life very challenging sometimes, I'm thankful I have both, which sounds like I said, it's funny to a lot of people. And people look at me like I have like three heads and I'm like, no, really, that's that's my morning. Uh, That's what it's like. I'm trying to think, oh, yeah, another thing, I know you're probably going to ask me about this later, but just communicating with uh, people in general. Um, You know, when you miss class, right, it's so easy to say, oh, I had a cold and, you know, or I had a fever or whatever, and the professor is like, oh, no problem, feel better, come to class next week, I'll see you next week if you're better, whatever. But nobody ever wants to send the email and be like, you know what, I was just too anxious today. I couldn't come to class because it just doesn't feel like a valid excuse. But it is a valid excuse. And I think that's something a lot of people have trouble kind of processing. And in our program, it was really challenging only being able to miss one class, you know, Um, because if you miss more than one, you are in trouble as far as your participation grade. And um, somehow I did it. I, I was practically at everyone, the entire program. Um, but I think that also motivated me to come because my anxiety was like, nope, you don't want that grade lowered. So I think that was my biggest deal was uh, just getting to class sometimes was super challenging um, and keeping up with the work, obviously, as well. So if I'm also, you know, if I'm not doing well mentally, I'm not doing well physically, they go hand in hand and I just can't focus, you know, that's a symptom of depression that most people don't think about, you know, the ability to focus sometimes is like an impossible task. And, um, and when all these things start happening, when I start getting really bad, I start getting really irritated, you know, mm-hmm. really irritated, because I am disappointed in myself, I'm disappointed in, and things happening around me, and that's when it starts getting really bad. So as long as, like I said, I think uh, such a silly thing, but give yourself credit if you get up out of bed in the morning and get dressed and brush your teeth, because some people just can't do that, you know? It's so silly, but it's true. Yeah. I I think it's so interesting that you, you, you frame it like that, like you're sort of in a way thankful for your anxiety because it does sort of offset the depression. And I, I've just uh, 
the podcast I released this past week was talking kind of it was interviewing these two guys and we're talking about like how you can kind of leverage your disability. You know, if you have something, you may as well use it to your advantage. And we were talking about different ways they had done it. So it kind of fits the theme, I think, of this this season's uh, episodes. So now let's talk a little bit about support. Um, Tell me a little bit about your support network. How has your support network impacted your timeline of recovery? And, um, you know, what do you you have to be thankful for from that uh, aspect? Well, I have a lot to be thankful there. Uh, You know, I have a family who has always been really supportive of everything that I do and are super proud of me. And um, it's really interesting because my grandparents, you know, have an older mindset. And uh, my grandfather, like, totally did not believe in mental illness. Like, it doesn't exist. (laughs) Like, people are just making excuses. And um, I was able to, like, really change his mind mine and impact him in a way that people thought were impossible because he just loves me so much that he was able to kind of like open his mind a little bit and see like okay you know what this thing might be real and you know what maybe medication medication does work and maybe people aren't making things up um so my family I I have both grandparents on both sides uh who are very helpful um my mom and dad I have a boyfriend who I've been with for um, five and a half years now. Without him, I don't know if I will get out of bed probably most days. Sometimes he drags me out of bed. It's funny when I talk about it after, but it's not funny then. Sometimes he will literally grab my legs and pull me out of bed and be like, nope, you're getting up today. And uh, sometimes I need that, like, kick in the butt, like, just get up and go, you know? Um, I'm really I'm really thankful for all their support, Uh you know, I have to say I'm really thankful for the faculty that we had at Rutgers anyways. Kane, maybe not so much. It was a little, They were a little more closed-minded. Um, not all of them, but I didn't have quite as good as an experience at Kane as I did Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers faculty, and, you know, by the nature of our program, I think, too, uh, I was able to kind of, like you said, be, you know, I was able to be open with you. I was able to be open with other faculty members. Um, and I choose very carefully when I'm going to disclose this information about myself because I don't feel like it's something everybody needs to know. But when it is something somebody needs to know, um, I'm glad I was able to be comfortable and, you know, understood instead of some other people who have had experiences where they couldn't even tell a faculty member like, Hey, this is what's going on with me. Um, because of, you know, stigma around mental illness and things like that. So I'm definitely thankful for my experience with faculty at Rutgers because, uh, there were times where, you know, like I said, I just couldn't get something done. And, uh, they were a little bit more understanding than some of the other people I've had in my life. So overall though, I've had pretty good support. So I'm very thankful. Sounds like it. And uh, I will stress, too, like it's helpful on the faculty side when students are comfortable enough to kind of tell us what's really going on. You know, you referenced the attendance policy before and, you know, being able to, you know, tell us when things are not going well. Um, you know, certainly when people are registered with disability services, that is it's uh, helpful. But even if they choose not to register, you know, to kind of be able to confide You know, I will work with students in those cases, you know. Um, We're not all cold-hearted sons of bitches. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I can appreciate that. 
What about uh, what about coping strategies? What kind of strategies did you figure out and learn uh, that had helped you get through college? Well, um, I haven't gone to counseling in quite some time. Um, that helped me a lot when I was younger. But since I really started running out of time uh, with being so busy, I started to have to become a little more creative with uh, what I did. Uh, but you know what? I learned a lot of things in our program. <laughs> I learned a lot of things even so far this year about uh, working with clients and uh, what I can do to help them. But a lot of times what I can do to help them is what I can do to help myself. Uh, two things that I really like, uh, one is coloring. Like I absolutely love coloring. Not these fancy smancy adult books. I like a kid's coloring book that's so basic like Cinderella or something, whatever. Uh, and I just sit there and I color and I if I could be so anxious and that just is like zen out because I'm just so focused on the coloring. And I just I'm a perfectionist, too. So making sure I color like perfectly the way that I want it to be. I'm so focused on that that it takes my mind off of everything else. Another thing that I really like is uh, mindfulness activities. There is an app that you can buy on. Uh, I think and I don't know if they have it for Android, but on the iPhone they have an app called Headspace and um, it talks you through mindfulness activities and each time it gets a little more in depth as you get a little bit better at it and um, sometimes if I'm feeling really anxious or just upset you know I'll just sit there and do one of those exercises and it kind of refocuses me and um, I do enjoy it although it's not so easy to get myself there to want to do those things sometimes um, but you know yeah, they help me a lot. I will uh, include a link in the show notes today to the Headspace app in case people are interested in checking it out for themselves. So this has, I think, been a really awesome interview, Brianna. Thank you so much. Um, going to close with some advice. Um, wondering what advice you might have for some college students out there that are experiencing mental health issues but also have big dreams and goals and might be struggling right now to make any progress. Do you have anything to say to those people out there? Well, other than what I already said, if you can get up and get out of bed in the morning, give yourself credit. Um, you know what? I, don't be so hard on yourself because I've been there and I've told myself I can't do things. I can't do it. I can't do it. But I survived a program at two different schools. I graduated with my bachelor's. I'm working on my master's. It's possible. Um, you can do it. You just got to believe in yourself because as hard as that may be, sometimes it's a really important part of getting through everything. Absolutely. And what about for faculty? This is a question I've, I've started asking students now as I've included faculty in the discussion and, and as have them listening. What can we do better uh, to help support students in, uh, in college with mental health issues and getting them to succeed? Well, all right. Well, I had a good experience for the most part. Um, I think that the issues that I had with some professors uh, who were not so open-minded was just, you know, the ability to communicate and understand, uh, not put or contribute to that stigma that's associated with mental illness, which a lot of students have an experience with. Um, I think that just, you know, taking away the judgmental side of it, like if a student is 
not showing up to class or, you know, making these excuses up or something, I would say, you know, you never really know what's going on with them. So maybe give them a shot to explain themselves and, you know, don't approach them in such a, like, attack kind of way. Like, you know, be a little more mindful that people have lives too and all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And so, you know, don't judge somebody before you figure out what's going on because they're not coming to class, you know you don't really know the reason why, you know, don't just assume they're lazy or they don't want to get their work done or something along the lines of that. Cause you never really know what's going on. Yeah. I think that's a good way to end. Uh, really want to thank you, Brianna, for coming on the show today. I really appreciate everything we, we talked about today. Thank you. And thank you for having me. I, I really do like to tell my story when I know it's going to, to uh, be able to help others. Yeah, I, I think it will. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody, and I really hope you guys got something out of that. Um, Brianna is a, a real go-getter, and I was really excited to work on work with her. And, and for faculty out there that may not have had the opportunity to work with students on a one-to-one, independent study-ish kind of basis, I really encourage you to give it a try. I found that not only did, you know, she learned a lot in the process, but it definitely taught me some things about how to better communicate with students and, you know, how you can really, you know, from a faculty perspective, leverage the work that students are doing into, you know, real progress in, you know, different kind of scholastic interests, scholarly interests that you might have. So uh, awesome job, uh, Brianna and Derek. Um, Really happy we got that done. So for this week, I would like you guys, as you guys pursue your goal, or not, (laughs) let me know on that, um, look into what type of resources your school might offer that you're not even aware of. Um, If it's a bigger school, chances are there are programs going on at your school that you would probably be way into that you just have no freaking clue exist. Uh, That's the way it is at Rutgers. Um, I just recently was collaborating with some colleagues on something related to um, peer mentoring for for college students. And we were thinking about this, uh, this idea and was like, well, let's see what kind of things are at other schools because I had checked around, you know, with a couple people and didn't see anything at Rutgers. And then um, one night I was like, let me just Google peer mentoring at Rutgers and see what I find. And lo and behold, like they did have this, uh, you know, peer mental health educators type of program that I had no clue existed on our campus um, or in our in our university, and yet you know here we are. So um, it was a learning lesson for me in that just because you've been in school for a while, even you know you seniors out there might think you know all of the programs available. Um, see if you can, if it might be related to your goal. Great. If not, just like do a little exploration. See if there's something else you might get out of your college campus. Uh, or online in the next, uh, you know, couple of months you're you're on campus. Another thing I just learned, I got an email um, about our wellness services at Rutgers, and I'm sure many schools have similar programs, you know, devoted to things like stress management and anxiety and whatnot. And I learned at the bottom of the email that these services are not only available to me as a faculty member, but also all of my family members. 
And so that was something kind of cool that I learned too. Just like two little things that I learned about my campus recently that I had no clue. And I'm a faculty member that's, you know, been uh, working for five years. So there's definitely a good chance you guys may be, you know, there may be something on campus you can take advantage of, leverage into an opportunity, whether it be networking or um, just some way to stand out or learn something new or, or just, you know, make a new friend, whatever it might be. So check out your school resources, explore the website, check out the bulletin boards on your campuses, see what else is out there that you may have uh, glossed over the last maybe first month or so of school. All right, everybody. Really excited to uh, bring this episode to you. Not really sure what I'm going to bring to you next week, but uh, I have plenty of time this weekend, downtime to think about it. So uh, I will wish you guys luck if you're taking any midterms this week. Go ahead and kill it on behalf of the College Student Success Podcast. Um, Otherwise, have a great week, everybody. Take care. Peace.